Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. Less than three months before general elections are to be held in Lebanon, the country is in turmoil, though not yet in one of its periodic civil wars. The most severe problem is the collapse of the economy, spreading misery to many walks of the population, though not to a corrupt and incompetent elite. The governor of the central bank is suspected of using his decades-old job as a sort of political mafia accountant. Hezbollah ignores Lebanon's interest in peace and quiet on its borders by provoking Israel. And Lebanon's Sunni leader Saad al-Hariri suspended his political career, leaving his followers at a disadvantage in the run-up to the elections. And there is no accountability for the devastating blast in Beirut in August of 2020. What are we to make of the troubled Lebanese scene? Joining us from elsewhere here in Jerusalem is Dr. Nir Boms, who is a research fellow at the Moshe Dayan Center at Tel Aviv University. Thank you for joining us, sir. Here. Also joining us from northern Israel is Dr. Fadi Ismail, who is a research fellow at the Institute for Counterterrorism at Reichman University. Thank you for joining us as well, sir. Thank you. And with us here in the studio is our TV7 editor-at-large, as well as the host of Watchmen Talk, Empires in Play, among others, Mr. Amir Oren. Amir, give us a broader understanding. What is the current state of play in Lebanon? So Lebanon, of course, uh, has endemic problems. Uh, Perhaps uh, they cannot be uh, solved at all. But uh, during uh, periods just before elections, whether presidential elections or parliamentary elections, it is uh, particularly vulnerable. And one remembers what happened in 1958 and 1976 and 1982 and so on and so forth, where all the Um, domestic political forces, as well as outside actors, converge to uh, uh, bring Lebanon even more uh, troubles than it already has. So right now, the economy uh, is in shatters. Uh, The currency, the uh, fuel uh, uh, shortage, um, demonstrations, the population is bitter, and there is no leadership. One of the problems is that um, those who are supposed to lead uh, the country are either in charge of militias or looking um, after their own uh, fortunes. And uh, whether or not uh, the Prime Minister Mikati or others can help or outside uh, actors such as uh, French President Macron remains to be seen. Dr. Ismail, your take on the current situation? I think the best word that was used so far is the word endemic, and that is uh, a designation for a disease that is uh, almost a part of the, it's not a a pathology, but rather one of the characteristics of the system. Yeah, it is endemic, and um, even the Lebanese people that one time hoped to be able to fix it used the uh, the slogan, killen yani killen, in other words, uh, let's throw all of them, everybody, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of religion, regardless of political uh, dimension uh, or party. Uh, the Lebanese street knows that their entire political system 
is useless. And um, and this is what endemic is. The, on, the only problem with that uh, very powerful diagnosis is there is no way of throwing out all of them because who's going to run the country if we can call it a country. The fact of the matter is that Lebanon today is basically um, a mirage. It is not a real place. It is, uh, well, it's a place, but it's not really a geopolitical entity in the sense that we refer to countries as geopolitical entities. It is held together or the the, the, the image or the uh, phantom of the state of Lebanon is held together by uh, with sellotape and um, and something else like this. I mean, it's not real. It's not there. Uh, today, Lebanon is, and we've said it, said it many times, is nothing more than an Iranian um, post, really, in that sense. And uh, with all the uh, events that you have mentioned, a very significant one was uh, the um, penetration of the drone into Israel a few days ago, which was maybe not, maybe did not launch from Lebanon, but we can see Hezbollah uh, fingerprints all over it, which means again, Iran. Um, so uh, as a geopolitical entity, today's Lebanon simply doesn't exist. It's just a phantom. It's basically like, a, for lack of a better word, a puppet played by the masters in Tehran. And uh, Dr. Bones? Well, uh, Dr. Smiller already asked uh, how uh, of a country Lebanon is. It's been quite some time since the Phoenicians have uh, ruled uh, Lebanon. Um, and when the cedar of Lebanon, uh, the, which is still a majestic uh, tree that is a part of the Lebanese uh, a flag, uh, was mentioned also uh, in the Bible. But since then, uh, certainly modern Lebanon, and uh, unfortunately not for the first time, um, is, is a country divided. Um, and this, if we're zooming out, uh, Lebanon is not the only country uh, divided in this way and not the only country in where proxies in many ways are stronger than what uh, the central government uh, uh, should be controlling, including the military. Uh, you know, right next door in Syria, a country that used to control Lebanon now is also a country that is controlled uh, by other uh, proxies. Um, and therefore, the struggle. Uh, on over the future of uh, Lebanon and over the future uh, uh, and the independence of Lebanon, uh, which is again not uh, a, a new struggle, is a struggle between uh, the more uh, rational and pragmatic Lebanese forces who says, look, we need to, to be here as a, as a country with neighbors um, controlled by a central government that will enable us to move Lebanon forward or uh, controlled by proxies who basically surrender, first of all, the Lebanese, the country, and then continue with a path of uh, aggression in uh, the region. Um, that uh, war, you know, the Lebanese, Lebanon, modern Lebanon had been through a few rounds of uh, civil wars, uh, and the uh, current episode in some ways uh, is a, a continuation of a struggle between camps uh, over the future of Lebanon, but with an emphasis uh, now uh, really of the camps on the inside and the camps uh, from the outside. Uh, and uh, that is what the Middle East had seen uh, for the last uh, decade. And Lebanon, unfortunately, with two hours of electricity a day, sometimes in uh, Beirut, the Lebanese were the first victims. Indeed. Mr. Oren, 
In the 1920s and 30s, Lebanon was depicted as uh, Swiss d'Orient, the Switzerland of the Mediterranean, and Beirut was depicted as Paris d'Orient, Paris of the Mediterranean, two of the most uh, economically flourishing uh, territorial contingencies uh, in Europe. However, Lebanon is far from that. Uh, today we see, as uh, also Dr. Bombs just mentioned, two hours of electricity and so many other woes uh, crippling this country, uh, basically being a derivative, as Dr. Ismail mentioned, of the Islamic Republic of Iran in uh, Israel's northern uh, uh, foothold. Where is uh, this now currently heading to? And are there any glimpses of hope? Well, Beirut, Beirut used to be um, a beautiful Mediterranean city. Uh, those uh, Israelis who happened uh, to visit either before 1948 or in 1982 under different circumstances, of course, uh, saw the uh, pretty Corniche uh, along uh, the, the sea, uh, not unlike Haifa in Israel or Alexandria in uh, Egypt or Marseille for that uh, matter. However, it, is, um, it has been ravaged by, by wars, civil and uh, otherwise. And the biggest mistake which many Lebanese, especially the Maronites or other Christians would admit to is that uh, the other parts of uh, Lebanon were annexed. Uh, to um, Beirut. And uh, therefore, the demographic uh, balance uh, was changed, and um, the country's fate uh, is now in the hands of not only the uh, Shiite population, which of course uh, has every right to be there, but also Iran and others who have designs on Israel and do not have Lebanon's uh, best interests um, at heart. Now, Two outside uh, actors, uh, the International Monetary Fund, the IMF, um, if they want to help Lebanon, they condition it on various reforms, which the political elite uh, would not agree to because this is their uh, power base. And the other one is the United States of America, because the Pentagon believes that the Lebanese armed forces are still a force for the good. And um, in the uh, nomination hearing of uh, General um, Eric Carilla, the incoming uh, commanding general of CENTCOM, uh, he said that uh, the LAF uh, does not collaborate with Hezbollah. They only have a deconflicting mechanism and that arms can be supplied to the Lebanese armed forces without concern that they will leak to Hezbollah. Perhaps some uh, in Israel have another opinion. Indeed, let's ask Dr. Ismail. Is uh, the LAF, or the Lebanese Armed Forces, truly an entity that can be relied upon at a time when Hezbollah seemingly calls the shot in uh, that country? I can assure you from personal knowledge that many officers and, um, and uh, soldiers in the Lebanese Armed Forces uh, really care about the country. They don't like these outside influences. They don't like uh, Hezbollah. They don't like uh, Syria. They even in, in the past, uh, LAF has engaged Syrian troops uh, several times in several battles and during the 80s and beyond that, and, uh, and it did pretty well. The problem is it is a very small force, and not all LAF troops uh, feel that way. 
uh, Hezbollah has many of its people inside. It is also a mistake, however, to think that every Shiite in Lebanon is pro-Hezbollah. We know that isn't true. Actually, many, many of them aren't. Uh, Hezbollah, but it is basically for many of them, it's the only option to have uh, a reasonable living. It's today, today, it's the only entity in Lebanon that pays by the U.S. dollar, which means that the people who have take salaries or, or draw salaries from Hezbollah are the only ones whose money is still keeping some level of uh, value in the market, unlike the others who are paid by the Lebanese pound. So uh, many of the people who are uh, close to Hezbollah or work with it or all kinds of uh, employees for it wouldn't be there if they had other economic options. And that comes to the question whether there is hope. It's about the money in the end. If you shut down the money process, if you shut down the possibility um, for Hezbollah to be uh, financially stable and and provide material uh, benefits, then you will really weaken it uh, very significantly. It, it will not disappear from the Lebanese map, but it will give, uh, but it will make it much weaker. The thing is that nobody can do it. There's no real way in weakening Hezbollah, materially speaking. It just can't be done. Uh, again, there, is, there isn't really a, a, a sovereign state named Lebanon. There is a Lebanese government. It is one of several main forces that run some aspects of Lebanese life, and that's what it is. It's basically similar, in a sense, similar to the way Italian politics was in the 16th century. Similar. So uh, they exist. The Lebanese government exists. Many Lebanese people, the majority of them, uh, love their country. They're patriots. They want to be independent, but um, they really cannot do anything about what's going on. And uh, I remind you, during the big demonstrations that we had in uh, in Beirut in the past and elsewhere in Lebanon, everybody went into the streets, including the Shiites. So uh, we have this image in our heads that uh, Hezbollah is so strong because people support it. No, they don't. Just like the Hamas in Gaza, um, weapons speak, uh, money speaks, uh, the, in, in, the ability to influence people by through uh, bullying and, and scare tactics, all these they have speak in the in the in the I mean they can they influence people's lives. So unless there is a way to um, uh, somehow to put some uh, um, to limit the ability of Hezbollah to influence Lebanese lives in that way in this material way, they will still be there. But the hope again, as I said, is that so many people you ask about LAF. I'm telling you the whole Lebanese society they are really not that excited about. The role of Iran in their country, regardless of whether they are Shiite or not. I'm telling you that from personal knowledge. Dr. Bones? One of the things we've seen also in the early phases of uh, the Syrian conflict is that uh, people became involved in various militias, as Dr. Ismail said, uh, because somebody, they were the only ones who were able to pay. And we need to remember that Hezbollah. Uh, although uh, we, we tend to look at this uh, mainly as a terrorist organization, it's first and foremost a social organization. It's an organization uh, that uh, builds schools, that builds clinics, that attempts to care for its people, and it gives them a message saying, look, this is a, a, a jungle out there. We are the only ones who are taking care of you, and therefore uh, we need uh, our loyalty with us. And, and therefore, as a part of uh, weakening Hezbollah, is, is the idea of strengthening the other components in 
Lebanon. Uh, the problem is that at this point, uh, and following years of neglect, and following years in where agreements uh, on, on the uh, escalation on the one hand, and United Nations forces that are supposed to uh, have uh, maintained uh, a peace uh, in the country had uh, actually enabled Hezbollah to arm itself all the way to its teeth, up to the point that they're able to not only turn uh, uh, stronger than the Lebanese forces, um, but also later on be a part of the Syrian war and go all the way to Yemen to help with their uh, uh, missile operations of the Houthis. And this became a problem that needs um, attention. And unfortunately, the only uh, actor who is actually trying to uh, limit the uh, reach of Hezbollah um, is Israel. And this uh, explains the uh, growing attention uh, that we have uh, given uh, to uh, the activities of Iran and Hezbollah in Syria, and also the growing preparedness uh, in the north and the understanding that uh, the scenario of uh, war uh, in the north uh, is also on the table, partially because if, if all collapse, sometimes uh, 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 there is a scenario in where Hezbollah will say, look, I have to prompt uh, a conflict in order to perhaps move away attention from uh, other things. Um, and, and therefore, uh, what is happening uh, uh, as well uh, at the moment is attempt to make sure that uh, Lebanon is not going to implode completely. And of course, um, when Lebanon is not going to implode, part of that eventually reaches Hezbollah and potentially strengthening their hands. Um, and Lebanon uh, it continues to be trapped uh, between these forces, uh, again, with not uh, a, a foreseeable solution in sight. Indeed. Mr. Oren, I'd like first to ask you, and I'd like also to hear what you have to say about this, but uh, with regard to Hezbollah, uh, Dr. Ismail provides a quite the grim picture when we're talking about the incapacity to uh, control its uh, ability to, to basically uh, gain finance uh, from sources that are not monitored necessarily. Of course, uh, uh, it's well known that Hezbollah acts uh, in rogue atmospheres and beyond uh, its ability to sell its services amongst uh, the Houthis and, and elsewhere, it also engages in uh, drug smuggling, uh, whether it is to Europe, to Africa and elsewhere, it utilizes the dire situation in Lebanon to basically utilize the farms to grow uh, cannabis and other uh, sorts of, of drugs. Then it smuggles it elsewhere. And the United States is directly uh, active to try and uh, deal with this from a narcotics uh, uh, perspective. The second point that I'd like to hear uh, from you as well is the sectarian construct of course, the government in Lebanon does not necessarily control the country, but it does have representatives from each sect in uh, that country, whether it be the Maronites, the Shiites, the Sunnah. Within the Shiites, of course, there's Hezbollah and Amal and uh, the Druze and so on and so forth. To what degree is this country in a position to implode when the, the sects themselves are the ones that ultimately take care of their own? So it's um, uh, just as uh, artificial and superficial as you uh, recounted, but it's even more complex because families are involved, clans 
So um, uh, all the, the old names, for instance, in the Christian community, the Shamuns and the Pharangias and the Jumails uh, and other people who were with the Lebanese forces, not the Lebanese armed forces, like Samir Jaja, people uh, whose names uh, were known um, 40 years ago, are, and Michel Aoun, the, the president, they are all still uh, on the scene. And 30 years ago this month, uh, Israel killed the Hezbollah Secretary General Abbas Musawi, and uh, Hassan Nasrallah came to power in his organization. What does he have to show for these three decades? Only devastation. And if there is another war, if he's going uh, uh, to do Iran's bidding and start a war with Israel, it will be unsettling for the Israeli population, but it will be devastating for Lebanon. So how can... Uh, Nasrallah uh, express his hopes for Lebanon if he's only warlike. And there is a ray of hope in the Mediterranean, in the uh, bargaining which uh, American diplomat Amos Hochstein is uh, leading regarding a deal between Israel and Lebanon um, on the uh, exploitation of a certain plot of sea between Israel, Lebanon, and Cyprus. And if Hezbollah enables the government of Lebanon to sign this deal with Israel, perhaps they will have more resources. And Hezbollah enabling this would mean basically for Iran to enable such a deal. Dr. Ismail, to what degree does Iran truly pull the strings when we're talking about Lebanon? A very large, of course. I want to thank uh, Mr. Oren uh, for bringing up uh, a fascinating subject that requires the whole program by itself, the issue of East Med politics, uh, all the East Mediterranean. I don't, I don't only mean the East Med um, pipeline. I mean the the whole of the whole politics there. Uh, it's a very interesting um, arena that is, that is developing the last few years, and and we need to talk about it someday, uh, similarly to the Red Sea. Um, so, uh, yeah, but again, even if there is some paper signed uh, through uh, American mediation or something like that, again, you have to understand it's Lebanon and the uh, the money is not going to go to the people. I mean, I, I promise you, that's for a fact. We have people in charge of uh, these negotiations from the Lebanese side, just by seeing the names, you know that uh, this will be more of the same. Uh, most uh, prominent, uh, most obvious, most uh, salient is the name of uh, Jubran Basile uh, and others that are heavily involved in all this energy uh, sector. Uh, I'm not trying, I'm not trying to be pessimistic. Uh, it is just, just the way it is. The 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 thing is, uh, decades worth of deterioration inside the Lebanese establishment and the complete inability of the Lebanese elite. To uh, to run Lebanon and make it into a better place. And how could they? They were they faced one occupation after the other. Uh, that will take a very long time to recover from. They could. I know many Lebanese people. They're very very smart people. They are um, educated. They're right there at the cutting edge of uh, of knowledge, of science, of technology. They are all over the world. They can come back and rebuild the country. The thing is, the main thing is, the the sovereignty on the ground has to be in the hands of one government in Beirut. That is not going to happen anytime soon. 
Definitely not now when Iran is on the march, and it's at the verge of having some very of uh, getting some very big uh, achievements in on the international level. Uh, and that takes me to the last point I want to make. From my the way I approach questions of geopolitics is always with the attitude that uh, context is meaning. And we're speaking of Lebanon, but in my head I'm thinking uh, Iran. Russia, United States, EU, uh, Israel, uh, axes, uh, uh, passages between different parts of Asia and uh, Europe. Once you put the Lebanese issue in that context, you realize that much bigger things have to happen in the world of international politics before the state of Lebanon can be recovered. And um, I'm sorry, but that will take years. Not to forget, of course, Egypt, Israel, uh, Jordan, and uh, Turkey, which uh, is uh, uh, once again raising the question of rebuilding the port of Beirut. Uh, Dr. Bombs, we don't have very much time left, but I'd, I'd still like to hear your uh, perspective on this. To what degree are we in a stage where the, the complexities of the Lebanese arena uh, may once again resurface uh, within the international stage since the, the Paris conference uh, that uh, the uh, French president Emmanuel Macron has hosted uh, so many leaders to try and deal with uh, Lebanon's woes. Uh, it seems that it started there and stopped there uh, rather than truly bringing about solutions to this issue. I wish I could uh, say that I have, uh, that I see the, the solutions, what uh, I think we see on the ground in Lebanon that uh, prepares for another parliamentary uh, elections in May is that the, the price tag for uh, a Lebanese vote between a 50 and a hundred dollars um, and the quotes of various officials saying that we have to rally the troops or really rally the voters uh, in order to uh, continue uh, uh, the type of politics that we have seen. Uh, but what we have also seen, and perhaps if we're looking for signs of hope, that you have uh, people in, uh, in Lebanon that uh, now, uh, and that's something we have not seen before, are willing to stand up and say, look, uh, we've seen, for example, Samir Jaja um, following the Hezbollah uh, uh, launching of the recent drones saying this is not something that we should have done. Uh, that's something that endangers our country. We see more voices uh, that are saying uh, that Hezbollah's tactics, uh, putting all the resources against Israel should be replaced by actually spending these resources on the Lebanese people. That's not necessarily going to bring a solution, but I think you have a, a consolidation of a camp that understands that Hezbollah needs to be curtailed and pushed aside in order for Lebanon to be saved. I'm not sure if they have enough support. Uh, I'm not sure if there are other countries that are willing to do more than words, because more than words in international conferences in Paris are needed in order to sort this out. Until this is not going to be sorted out, Lebanon, unfortunately, is not going to be sorted out. Indeed, and we'll have to readdress this issue since there is so much more to talk about and uh, uh, so many other perspectives to this uh, uh, issue, conflict, since uh, Israel is also heavily involved from our perspective here at Jerusalem. But this is all the time that we have for today. I'd like to thank Dr. Ismail, Dr. Bombs, as well as Mr. Owen for being part of today's panel. And I'd like to thank our viewers as well, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.